three, two, one. Independence and freedom are often mistaken to be the same thing. I think they're two different things. Independence is your ability to chase a dream, to do what you want, as long as you pay the right fees. Follow the right rules. Follow the right guidelines. Allow yourself to have oversight. Freedom is the ability to walk out the door, wake up in the morning, and do what you want, when you want, how you want to. And that's what this show is about. We're going to be talking about what we want to talk about, how we want to fucking talk about it. I'm going to bring you the truth. I'm going to bring you facts. I'm going to bring you data. Some of it may rub you the wrong way. Some of it may be something you don't even want to hear about. But you can best believe I'm going to tell you the fucking truth about it. I'm going to tell you like it is. This is your host, Christopher Scott Rudder. Three, two, one. I am not a rocket ship. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of Tell Me Like It Is. I've been gone for a couple weeks, had some things going on, adjusting to the new job schedule and all that good stuff. You don't need to hear about it, but at the end of the day, I'm coming back with a lot of clips, a lot of things to catch up on, a lot of things to talk about. The first thing here, the first page I have up is OPEC, cuts oil outfit, uh, output. And I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, Chris, really, like, you can't go into a geopolitical, economical discussion that's above your pay grade. And you're right. It actually is. But I do know a couple things because I've seen a couple things. Whenever you get to be my age, you remember things that have actually happened. And the last time that our country went through a period where we stopped producing our own oil and we relied on OPEC countries uh, to produce more oil, also uh, Russia, um, and the UK, uh, Ukrainian parts of uh, Europe there, uh, where we relied on outside output for our gas. And the reason we were going through this, this was back in the 1970s, I clearly remember, and you can look it up, you can pull articles from about 1977, you'll see that there were gas lines, there was regulations, they regulated the prices, they regulated how much production, in other words, they stamped down production, um, and then also they uh, put a limit on how much it was that you were able to purchase. That actually happened naturally because the gas companies, obviously, they couldn't service everybody, so they tried to ration the gas. And that was all because at that point in time in the 1970s, they were telling us that all the ice caps were going to melt back then. They said in 10 or 20 years, we're all going to be underwater. Well, it still fucking hasn't happened, and nobody wants to talk about that. But the one thing that is going on now is, eerily similar to what they did in 1977. The only difference is, is Biden signed an executive order and didn't do the regulation part, okay? In the 70s, they were trying to regulate the usage of gas, they were trying to regulate the production, and in turn, they were also trying to regulate the profits of the big oil companies. And it was a fucking disaster. And that's what we're going into now, just a couple weeks ago, Biden went uh, to OPEC and asked them to release uh, more barrels per day they said no we're going to cut it back two million uh so that's not very good for us and the only reason i'm bringing this up is because if this goes anything like it did in the 1970s where we have overregulated the gas production which biden did when he signed the executive order to shut down production and over 2,000 pipelines including the big ones keystone uh, uh not to mention a couple others but um Cutting back on how we produce the gas and they're operating on this like, you know, God willing, somebody's going to come up with this alternative energy. Well, it still hasn't fucking happened. 
And we've been trying to do this for the past 40 years. So forcing everybody's hand and limiting how much we can purchase because now the prices are outrageous. And even though the prices did drop gradually for basically 100 straight days, um, now they're on the way back up and we're getting ready to go into the election cycle. And the biggest thing they need to do is to be able to dump some gas onto the market so that way they can artificially lower the price going into the midterms, which are just 15 days away now. So what has Biden done? He's released more of our reserve. The thing with the reserve is, is that reserve is in place in case we run into such a situation that we can't trade with the outside world. Maybe we're at war, uh, our infrastructure has collapsed, somebody has tried to invade us. Our reserve is for that emergency, break glass in case of emergency kind of a deal. We're not supposed to be trying to use it to artificially manipulate the market. And the gas that we have in place right now, which is basically the U.S.'s usage of gas, as it uh, shows here in this article, is that we use about 20 million barrels a day of gas. And we have about 400 million of these reserve barrels in place right now, which means we have about 20 days worth of fuel backup. If shit were to hit the fan and everything's going to hell in a handbasket, the only thing that's going to be able to operate in the country is um, sustainable trade, you know, all of your food products, all of that stuff, like leisure and recreational travel, like only carpooling allowed to and from work and all that kind of stuff would probably be put in place if there's that sort of a state of emergency. So, okay, so we cut the usage of our gas by at least 50% by just knocking out, you know, going to go over to grandma's and see what she's doing today or go by my friends and whatever, you know. Um, so if all of that is knocked out of the place and, and we decrease our daily usage from 20 million to 10 million. Okay, so now we have 40, 45 days worth of gas. That shouldn't, uh, that shouldn't make you feel safe. You should not feel safe because if there's only 45 days worth of fuel reserve for everybody to be able to have, have a part of, who do you think is going to get the major share first? The military and the government. So you and I will be restricted heavily. And keeping and continuing to tap into this reserve sets us up for if there's any cyber attacks that result from continuing to prop uh, Putin and stick our dicks in the middle of uh, the Ukraine situation. And now we're over in uh, Romania and we're also having a, a, a couple little skirmishes there in Africa. Um, those are continuing to go on. Uh, if we keep putting putting our if we keep poking the bear, so to speak, uh, someone's going to turn around and bite us at some point, and we're going to need these reserves. So this is something to really keep your eye on, and whatever the prices jump way up after the election because of his artificial stimulus to lower the gas prices, is what Biden's doing by releasing these reserves. Whatever the prices jump up after the elections, especially if the Democrats have lost the House, fucking forget about it. You're you. Those prices, we were all definitely worried about paying $7, $8, $9 at the pump in California and places like that. Currently, right now, uh, for the past two weeks, they've had a gas shortage in Arizona. So this, what I'm talking about, the correlation between now and 1977 with the gas shortages that were going on, it's a real fucking thing. We're starting to see gas shortages. We're starting to see pumps be empty, and we're starting to see the prices go up, even though they're trying to artificially manipulate it. So there's a whole lot going on with this, and here's the bottom line. They were lying to you then in the 70s. The ice caps are going to melt. We're all going to be underwater. We got to put a stop to this now. We got to regulate the output of all these carbons. We got to regulate big oil's profits. 
they didn't regulate big oil's profits. They still had the same uh, profit margins that they did without the regulations. The only people that were hurt were regular people like you and me. Just like what's going on right now. Yes, of course we do need to find an alternate energy source. But it's not in place, so you can't force everybody's hand whenever 99% of the world operates purely off of these diesel fuels. <clears throat> so again, they were lying to you then, they're lying to you now. Anytime, I think it was Reagan who said the nine scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Anytime they step in and try to help us out, it always backfires. It always blows up in our face. Most recently, you can look at the infrastructure collapse whenever the banking institutions went out. Then we had to bail them out in 2012. Then we had a huge fallout in the stock market because of all of that. It ended up being a whole six year of fuck you because we let the banking industry collapse and, and overreach all of these predatory loans and everything, which was a horrible practice. And it was the Fed really trying to gobble up as much as they could and get as much property on paper and really prop up or artificially stimulate the housing market to get more houses to, to start moving and being built. And this is just another repeat of that entire cycle. And it's, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to be like, <laughs> I'm predicting all of this bad stuff and that's, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, whatever you see in the government actually replaying and doing the same things that they have done before and people are expecting a different out outcome you really have to point this out to people and be like look man i remember the last time they did this shit or tried this shit it didn't work out too fucking well we're still recovering from it in some instances <sighs> on to the next thing here okay so you're going to be hearing biden and a lot of the democrats obviously they're going to have to campaign on that the economy is better than what everybody thinks and that's all well and good. Uh, you got to try to, you know, cut color or shade it in the best way you possibly can. Uh, and they're going to, uh, they're out there saying that they shaved the deficit by $1.2 trillion. And then this article comes out. <clears throat> U.S. national debt tops $31 trillion for the first time. <laughs> as soon as the White House says something, a new report comes out that is totally contradictory, okay? And let me let me explain something to you when they say that they saved $1.2 trillion off of the deficit. Remember in 2020, uh, whenever he first got elected and got into office, uh, we had the, uh, the Great Reset, the New Deal, uh, the Make America uh, Great Again with Infrastructure, and then also we had just had the big tax bill, uh, and that's the reason that we're uh, dealing with a little bit of inflation right now. But they're saying that they saved $1.2 trillion, and this is an old political trick, okay? They say that they're going to spend $5 trillion, and then it ends up coming that the accounting gets done, and it comes in at $3.8 trillion. They saved $1.2. Now, that's not actually the scale that we're talking about, because the infrastructure bill and the new um, uh, Better Green Deal that was just uh, passed here, that was uh, put through by Manchild, um, Altogether, that's over $78 trillion um, in budgetary uh, deficit. And they say this 1.2. So they only spent $76 trillion out of the 78 that they planned on uh, allotting. Uh, so that's kind of an important thing for everybody to kind of understand and know uh, just based on where, the, uh, where inflation is going with everything. 
And the reason that's so important is because there was actually a time in the United States where we depended entirely on ourselves, okay? We only traded and bought our own goods and services. If we produced it, we bought it. If we didn't produce it, we didn't buy it. In a lot of cases, there wasn't even a fucking market for it. There was no Chinese textiles in the 1920s in the United States. It was all done in the northeastern part of the country. Same thing with steel, same thing with carpentry, same thing with production at all levels. The beginning of the automobile production. We didn't have fucking Toyotas in the United States. Everything was a Ford or a GMC. Now, I'm not saying that was the right thing to do. I'm not trying to sound xenophobic in any way, shape, or form, okay? But there was a time that our country was incredibly self-reliant, self-sufficient, completely from neighbor to neighbor. And that's what the GDP ratio actually tells you. And again, this is a conversation that is way outside of my comfort range, but I'm going to try to take as good a stab at it as I possibly can because there's something that actually lines up with what I talk to you about almost every fucking week, and that's the New World Order or the American government's want and ability to continue marching forward to that one world government setup uh, where they're partnered with the UN, they're following their doctrine, they're following their policies, and that's also happening on a world trade level as well. In 1929, that's 16% out of the $17 billion that was uh, planned to be spent, that's adjusted to today's dollars. That 16% basically recognizes what our outside trade with the rest of the world is. About 16% of our goods and services, our products and materials, and how things were produced and how things were engineered came from the outside world. The other 84%, we were completely self-sufficient on, okay? And it stays like that, and then you go into the war. Obviously, we gotta support Britain, and we gotta support those allied forces who are fighting Hitler. So we started trading a lot more with the outside world. And then you go through at the end of the world, at the end of the war, now we're having to do so much trade because we had to completely stop producing everything for business. We were only producing things for the war during this period of time. That's the reason all of a sudden that GDP ratio jumps up to 114%. So we had to switch back from that big world trade. And then we keep going through. Now we're back down into the 30s. We're very self-sufficient. We're very self-reliant deficit is going up, the budget is going up. We went from 29 billion to 772 billion by 1978. Here's the thing I want to show you. Through the 80s, we started becoming 50% again. We're trading as much with the world or as relying on the world as we are on ourselves. It's 50-50 basically. And then in 1991, we really tipped the scale and now we're back to jumping up there to be 60% reliant on the rest of the world instead of ourselves. And that was whenever you actually heard this speech. Hey, hey, hey. Gotta love technology. Bear with me. Nineteen ninety one, this is January nineteen ninety one, we did a sudden surge. We were at fifty percent trading with the world and being self reliant. Now we no longer are. It's almost sixty percent are coming from the rest of the world. And members of the United States Congress.
coincides with 1991 shown on the GDP scale, where it's all of a sudden flip-flop. We're no longer less than 50% reliant on the rest of the world. We're more than 50%. As a matter of fact, 68%. And it continues to go up and up and up and up. That through the Bush years, the Obama years, and the Trump years, we were at 100% reliant on dealing with the rest of the world, dealing with our energy, dealing with our infrastructure, steel production, fabrics, you name it, whenever it comes to goods and services. We buy as much from overseas or more than we buy that is actually produced and made here in our own, our own country. So we're no longer self-reliant. We are part of this new world order, this one world economic um, and geopolitical force that's out there. Now, I do have a lot of different clips I'm going to be showing this week, and we're going to be going in, <laughs> in a lot of different orders here, but... Here's Biden. Here it is 40 years later. And he's going to talk about. As you know, know my mother has an expression. Out of everything terrible, some will do good will come if you look hard enough for it. I think this presents us with some significant opportunities to make some real changes. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world that occurs every three or four generations. As one of as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946, and uh, since then we've established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead. And we got to lead. He's talking about the new world order, just like Bush did. And now here's the thing where they were lying to you then, and they're lying to you now. They mentioned this new world order kind of a deal, like it's the way to save humanity. They want to talk about how many people have died, and now we're saving those people. They don't want to mention anything at all that has to do with the fact that um, on average, and you can look this up, it's a human statistic, um, I've showed it on the show before. You can you can do your own research and find this. But on average, about fifteen to twenty million dollar, uh, twenty million dollar, twenty million people around the world annually die of starvation. There are many third world countries out there, and there are a lot of people who do actually still die of starvation. 
But over the past two years, instead of it being 20 million a year, it's been a total of 60 million. So almost 20 million extra people have died in the past couple of years and nobody's fucking mentioning it. That was Biden's response to that question. Well, we had 60 million people die between 1900 and 1949. And we put a stop to that. But now the people are dying like that again, we need to talk about the new world order. They were lying to you then and they're lying to you now. You know, we partnered with Google, for example, if you Google climate change, you will, you at the top, will, of, at your the top of your search, you will get all the UN, all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership we when we were started this partnership when we were climate change, that when we were getting climate change, distorted, we were getting uh, incredibly right distorted at the top. Uh, information so we, right at the top. So we, they were getting opposing views, opposing articles. They were getting opposing actual scientific journal peer-reviewed studies that were contradictory to what the UN wants to be policy and wants everybody to believe. She's going to go on and tell you, she's going to say the quiet part out loud here and tell you really what the truth is. We're becoming much more, we're right. becoming much more um, proactive. We own the science. Uh, we own the science and we think that the world should know it and should know it. And we own the science. That sounds an awful lot like what Dr. Fauci was telling us all like a year, year and a half ago. I am the science. You can't argue with me. If I say it, you have to take it, right? That's what they were telling us. Now the UN is uh, telling us they've been doing it the whole fucking time. The platforms themselves also do, um, but, but again, again it's, it's, it, it, it is um, it's, it's, it's it is a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. So there she is telling you they own the science and they actually partnered with Google to make sure that all of that quote unquote misinformation, all that other scientific news, <laughs> that they were able to partner with Google and manipulate it so that way just their shit shows up on the front page. Everything else is secondary. Like you don't need to know that. You just need to know what we tell you is good. This is the problem with a new world order or a one world government. Once they come and once they gain control and become in charge, then they end up being um, draconian, where they basically just want to tell you how it is, you're going to do what we say, and if you offer any alternate view to that, then they get mad and they want to shut you down. Now, I'm not the only one who notices all the stuff that I talk about whenever it comes to Biden. I, I pick on as many Republicans as I do Democrats, or at least I try. At the end of the day, it's just so goddamn easy to fucking pick out anything. Every week, this guy has a press conference, and he shows us something great again. <laughs> and it's just nice to know I'm not the only one who thinks this, but just as Biden is well older for it. If you stop people from mocking Biden being old as being ageist, you're out of your fucking mind. He's a leader of the goddamn free world, and he's shaking hands with ghosts. Like, this is wild. This yeah. is wild shit we're seeing in real time. Uh, and if you, you tell me that's off the table, you're out of your mind. Oh, you're a MAGA supporter if you talk about those things. Oh, really? How are you just seeing reality? This is fucking crazy. It's just nice to know I'm not the only one who thinks that way. Um, but, you know, whenever you have that big of a platform, you are allowed to be able to say a lot more shit than I ever would and get away with it. I've been banned off of social media four or five different times for saying shit like that. 
and saying stuff about the shots and, you know, the misdirection and all the misinformation that was coming out with all of that. But the great thing here is, is that it, um, it's being recognized as being seen so much by people that it's almost every day that you're able to see these highlight reels of how Biden is so incoherent, uh, incoherent. And nobody really bats an eye. We're, we're all so used to it now. And that's the sad thing. This is what makes the world got a frightening insight into what happens when you unleash the president without notes, an auto cue, or someone screaming instructions in his ear. You get this nonsensical word salad. Tell me how you do that. I understand that it's clear in space, you're accurate, but, but how and making the case of the freedom men have, what do you do to other than to sort of embarrass men in the, in the, in the, in the argument and voting the right way on this issue? I kept Would anyone like to hazard a guess on what the fuck it was that guy was actually talking about? Um, so, but that was an Australian news outlet. That's from Sky News out of Australia. So it's so bad that it's recognized globally that even in Australia, they're able to laugh at him and put stuff out like this. And again, Nobody really bats an eye about it. It's so commonplace and it's so well, everyday. It's such a terrible thing. Here's in on the lies of Joe Biden finally starting to catch up with them. With the American economy cratering, energy prices at record highs, watch out Australia, we're next. And no one, no one believing that any of this is really simply the fault of Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump or racism or climate change or whatever the current thing is this week, maybe monkeypox. People are starting to look at the man who is. Sorry, let me try this with a straight face. The man who is in charge of the Oval Office. Um, that is to say, Joe Biden and indeed the entire intellectually bankrupt so-called elite leadership class that are popping up. Here's an example of this. Now, the other day, Joe Biden wrote or signed off on or was told about after his nap a comedian piece appearing under his name in the Wall Street Journal. And in it, he wrote these words, quote, a dozen CEOs of America's largest utility companies told me earlier this year that my plan would reduce the average family's annual utility bill by $500 and accelerate our transition from energy produced by autocrats. <laughs> well, not so bad. Has your energy bill gone down $50 a month? Because that's basically what that says. We're going to save $500 with this new plan. Mine's gone up. Has yours gone up? The most news I see whenever have to deal with energy costs, everything has gone up, including the gas we put in our cars, right? And all of it comes from coal. That's how energy is actually produced. So my heating and cooling costs have gone up, but this new plan here is going to save us $500 a year now. Keep in mind, this is an Australian news source. This is how the world actually sees our president. This is how the world sees us. Fast. Even the Washington Post, which until very recently has been the modern-day corporate Pravda of the Biden administration, found this to be too much. Their fact-checker, the reliably left-biased Glenn Kessler, awarded Biden's claims for Pinocchios, pointing out that there was no reference to the savings in the transcript of the meeting with the utility executives, nor in the readout either, and that, in fact, most of the cost reductions he's referring to 
come from the reduced cost of driving at our expense. So another misleading article, another misleading take, another way that they're trying to describe everything as a victory, but they're actually misleading. They were lying to you then, and they're lying to you now. That's the big thing that you have to take away from all of this that I'm trying to show you here. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not the paragon of truth. I'm not the one who's out there doing all the real journalism. I'm just sharing this because a lot of people don't have access or they don't know where to find this information. They keep getting all their information from the corporate news. And that's part of, as I've called it before, the evil triad. You have the industrial military complex. You have all of the big uh, corporate entities. And then you also have big pharma in the middle of all of that. You have the politicians who are trying to make sure that they do everything that all three of those main entities uh, really want to be done. And it all boils down and it all goes back to money at the end of the day. Let's see if we can get this to play. Hang on. Times, right? Five times. You ever hear the expression five times? We've had flu years so over the last 100,000 people. The flu is a very serious problem for this country also. And we've been losing that. Scott, what kind of a number have we lost over the years with flus into the hundreds of thousands? Well, I mean, the last five years have been something like 35 to 80,000 per year. Every year. We have to be viral drugs anymore. Why did you lie to me, so again, they were lying to you then, they're lying to you now. He says during that speech, how many years do we have where more than 100,000 people die from the flu? Really on average, it's like 35 to 50,000 high has been 85,000 over the past few years. Okay, all right, not over 100,000 people. So he's trying to over-exaggerate the impact that the flu has actually had. And this is also him trying to defend um, that, you know, we're in the lockdowns, we're trying to protect everybody, but really we're dealing with something that's no worse than the flu. Well, it was and it wasn't, okay? Because the way that everybody reacted to it, it was far worse than the flu because of the social fear and stagnation and the lockdowns and the whole slew of misinformation that ended up coming after that making people distrust both the media and the government even more than they already have. Fill you in. It turns out that you and I in our democracy are in grave danger. I broke the news that the greatest threat to our republic are Trump-supporting Republicans. Before, I just mistakenly thought they were my fellow Americans who happened to think differently than me about some things and vote differently. But when the commander-in-chief told me to think about them as dangerous extremists, I realized I had been thinking about them incorrectly. Now I have a more sensible point of view of just thinking about them as the enemy of the state. Did anyone? <laughs> That's right, they are the enemy of the state. But there's gonna come a time whenever all this is gonna to come to pass and everybody's gonna have a chance to announce to the world that they do remember, they understand exactly what was done to them and we understand how we were ridiculed and how we were mistreated and it's gonna to come to pass. That's what happened in 2016. That's the reason the orange man got his big day. And that's why anybody who espouses anything that has to deal with conservative beliefs or values, now you're an extremist. 
you tell middle class people you're not going to be able to afford to fill up your truck at $7 for diesel fuel, or you're not going to turn on your air conditioning because it's a sin and we're going to make it 36 kilowatt. And you're going to be on that forklift at 18 and you're going to pay taxes with this guy with the gender studies major at Stanford on um, his loan forgiveness. Uh, you're playing with fire, with, uh, going after them, and then you keep calling them semi fascists. So if you stop and think a minute, the President of the United States, between 2009 and 16, Barack Obama said these people clung to their guns, he just ridiculed them. Joe Biden has called them chumps and Gregs. Hillary Clinton said they were irredeemables. If you're wanting your political ideals and values, to reflect what your constituents want. Talking about your constituents that way sooner or later is going to blow up in your fucking face. And that's what Vote Them All Out for 2022 is actually going to be about this year. There's going to be, in some areas, there's going to be a blue wave. In some areas, there's going to be a red wave. But across the country, there's going to be a huge changeover in a lot of seats. There's over 425 House of Representatives seats that are up for re-election, and there's a good chance that at least 100 of them will completely switch out. And that, to me, my friends, is a pretty good start. But not all is lost. You know, whenever you look at the youth of America, you're, uh, a lot of people who are my age think that, you know, to a big point, there's a lot of uneducated, opinionated, left-leaning, super-liberal, progressive-leaning people who want just the damnedest things, you know, like permission for your kid to act like a cat and they have to put a litter box in at the school. Two different school districts that's currently going on, one in Kentucky, another one in Arizona. Um, but then you see something like this. Gives you hope. The Trump era or anything about the Trump era. Trump era is definitely not always the biggest threat is the left, the left, communist ideas, implementing our education system. You're definitely not a, you're not a lefty. I'm not a lefty, I'm not a commie. I don't like commies. Commies have ruined every country. Did you notice how she kept looking around just to make sure that like nobody really heard what she was saying, but at the end of it, she does say something um, very wise. You know, I'm not with the, I'm not with any of the communist stuff, and communism has destroyed every country that it's ever shown up in. And she's right. And there's so many of these different political ideas and ideals that are being presented on both sides of the aisle right now, where we're going to be doing things just like communists, <laughs> regulating gas, uh, rationing food, all of these things that have happened over the past couple of years. These are all doctrines of what they have done before uh, in communistic countries here, okay? But I do want to show you this. Everybody needs to be reminded, I guess, of what started the great MAGA thing and also what ended up getting Trump labeled as a racist was this speech. And then I want to show you a few other speeches where the exact same thing is said. Um, but with different outcomes. It's really weird to watch the exact same thing happen 
basically over the last 50 years with every major presidential candidate. But you get majorly different outcomes based on who says what. Nearly 180,000 illegal immigrants with criminal records ordered deported from our country are tonight roaming free to threaten peaceful citizens. The number of new illegal immigrant families who have crossed the border so far this year already exceeds the entire total from 2015. They are being released by the tens of thousands into our communities with no regard for the impact on public safety or resources. Now, explain to me how that's any different. He says it differently. Obviously, he has a much different presentation than anybody else we're used to seeing. But um, he basically said the same thing as these guys. Hopefully we don't get him with the YouTube. If, if you shop on Amazon, <laughs> you should use this. You should tool. use this. It's tool. a it's a Sorry for the YouTube ad, I'll get it off there quick. It's my name is David Grossman, and I'd like to know, do you think the killing of illegal aliens should be allowed to attend Texas public schools free, or do you think the parents should pay for your education? Who are you addressing that? I think you're a person. I'd like to see something done about the illegal alien problem that would be so sensitive and so understanding about labor needs and human needs that that problem wouldn't come up. But today, if those people are here, uh, I, I would reluctantly say I think they would they would get whatever it is that they're you know what the society is, is giving giving to their neighbor neighbors. But it has problems has to be solved. Problems has to be solved because. seconds here but you'll notice he never actually really fudgy answers the question good old politics here uh, at the same time his way of delivering the message he's not saying anything different than what Trump said he's just saying a little bit different a little bit more tactical or tactful he's definitely a career politician a lifelong politician so he has that polish to be able to speak publicly that way which is the thing that Trump was missing grossly you know during his entire presidency but then Uncle Ronnie comes on here in just a second and he basically says all the same shit, and neither one of them answered the questions, the important question that was asked by the member of the audience. So again, they were lying to you then, and they are lying to you now. Outside the law, to ourselves as a fundamental, and that is a good, 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 good,
I think the time has come that the United States and our neighbors, particularly our neighbor of the South, should have a better understanding and a better relationship than we've ever had. And I think that we haven't been sensitive enough to our size and our power. They have a problem of 40 to 50 percent unemployment. Now, this cannot continue without the possibility arising with regard to that other country that we talked about, of Cuba and what it is stirring up, of the possibility of trouble below the border, and we could have a very hostile and strange neighbor on our border. Rather than making the move, we're talking about putting up a fence. Why don't we work out some recognition of our mutual problems? And earning here, they pay taxes here. And when they go on to go back, they can go back and they can cross and open the border both ways by understanding their problems. This is the only safety valve right now they have with that unemployment that probably keeps the lid from blowing off down there. And I think we could have a friend a fine relationship. Give this a second to queue up here. Opposite of Donald Trump's position, you better think, think again. Watch this flashback, Roll Venture. Stop diamonds. Seriously, <laughs> don't want the diamonds again. Ever. I'll get well You don't need to. If you really want to lose a serious. That's great. Secure our borders with technology, personnel, uh, physical barriers if necessary. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before. We need to try to incentivize Mexico to do more, and we need to create the environment in which we can keep out of the shadows and then give them the some. Trump did. Yes, they did say more politically. They did say it with more polish. They weren't as rough around the edges, which that was all part of the charm of the whole Trump thing, right? This guy wasn't a Washington insider. He wasn't a career politician. He came in to clear out the swamp, which was one of the things that made him super appealing to people. Same thing that happened in 1992 whenever Clinton got elected. He said he was going to clear out the swamp. They were going to put in term limits. They were going to clean up the immigration issue. And as you saw with Reagan and Bush in that 1980 debate, this is over 42 years of being on the national political landscape. And they're still saying the same thing. We don't want people living in the shadows. We don't want people coming over criminally. We don't want people taxing our infrastructure. We don't want people taking our resources as illegal citizens or illegal aliens. Same thing over and over again. And nothing you can ever fucking fix because these are all careers. Politicians in Washington. So I 
don't really have any use for that guy there, but that was a good clip that they did put together there for his show. So I give him props on that and I'll use it any, anytime I get a chance, but that's this past week. And that's things that are getting ready to line up next week's show. I'm going to be doing the ballotpedia walkthrough, basically a sandbox demonstration. I'm going to show everybody how to look at your current um, voting situation, what your options are, what the choices are and how I look at it based on the credence of both of them all out. Um, so until next time, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. I hope there's a lot of clips that you can use. Share them anytime that you want to. Share the live feed. Watch the live feed. I do appreciate everybody who has watched. I did post on the fan group yesterday that over 5,600 uh, people watched the last couple episodes. I appreciate that greatly. That doesn't include all the streaming of the podcast and on Twitter and Instagram and everything else. So I do appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. And it